Ew. Welcome back. Oh, you're listening to another episode of Oh, Oh, a sticky, sticky, gooey, icky episode of a show called Amateur Hour, where two people, ah, oh, they never played professional sports and they're going to talk about it. Oh, you got one guy and his name is Max. And you got another guy, and his name is Shreyas. Ah, oh, and they're going to start talking about sports. Gross. Never been more grossed out in my life. Blech. Amateur hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 73 of Amateur Hour. Uh, like with the intro said, that crazy intro guy kind of grossed out with us. My name is Max. I'm here with Shreyas. Uh, and we're going to dive in to a wonderful, exciting, controversial, not quite, episode of Amateur Hour. Uh, we've got our weekly highs. We've got our weekly lows. Uh, we have some very divisive golf balls uh, that are rolling around the media these days. We've got a little bit of tampering. And some trade deadlines that are going to rock the world of baseball. All that and more. A very action-packed full episode coming up for you guys right now of Amateur Hour. And let's kick things off with our Weekly Highs. The Weekly Highs. All right, Max. Let's start with my sports high for this week. And it's a video yes. that I, I was scrolling through the interwebs. And I was just so delighted that someone was able to do this. And it was this kid. Okay. He went up to take a picture with the pirate's owner. So he goes up to take a picture. Someone's taking a video, right? So I, so you automatically know that something's going to happen if someone's taking a video, but they're lining up for a picture. So he gets his hand over <laughs> the owner. The kid gets his hand over the owner, right? He's wearing a jersey. And then right before the picture is being taken, he starts to unbutton the jersey. And so when he starts yeah. to unbutton and fiddle with the jersey and the buttons, the owner starts to look over and he's like, he, he, when he starts to open it up, he sees the yellow and black colors, which is the colors of the pirates. So he's like, oh, hey, right on. Or something like that. He says something along those lines. He does a double take at the logo and it says, sell the team. <laughs> and so he does a double take. So he's like, he has... He has his hand over him. He, the owner goes, "Oh, hey, right on." He sees he thinks it's a pirates merchandise or something, right? Like, oh, he just paid money for pirates merchandise. And he does a double take, <laughs> and the kid's wearing a sell the team shirt, taking a picture with the owner. And now this owner is in the uncomfortable position of having to continue to take a picture with this kid, right? So he looks back at the camera and has this like, like, frightened like smile on his face. Yeah, fearful smile on his face, like eyes like fully wide open. And like a smile that's just like, he's like holding something in and it's the funniest uh. face. It is so funny. Right. And we've made, we've, we've, we've poked fun at the Pittsburgh Pirates a couple times on this podcast. Right. They're disastrous. Yes, yes, season. I mean, they've had a multitude of disastrous seasons over the past couple of years. And uh, a lot of plays that are on the low lights of sports every week. It seemed like, especially last year in the past two years. Now Sell it's like now this is what this is the low light for the season for this team. It's like okay, no one can really think of a play that the Pirates made that is bad, right? Like they're probably all bad, but there's like nothing out of the ordinary. This is the low light for this team, and it's so funny. Wow! And I love this fan. I thought it was hilarious wow. that he got in with the shirt, had the jersey covering it over, and went surprise, did like a Superman <laughs> thing. Oh my god, man! It was so funny. <laughs> Hey, at least they're not the Detroit Lions, right? Uh no, they're pretty bad. They're, they're probably worse. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably the Detroit Lions of baseball right now. Oh. Yeah, they're like they're like I don't know how they get out of a rut because they just don't have enough talent uh. and they don't want to pay for it either. They just every time they get a good player, they trade them, right? Because they, they want trade them. Yeah, they want yeah. the they want the space, they want the money back, and they want. You know what I mean the low payroll? It's that I mean yeah. they're the they're the one of the lowest payroll teams, I think, in the 
in the MLB. So sell it, scrap so, it, blow it like, up. I don't know what their plan is, but I'm glad this fan is also uh, ticked off. If and as yeah. many Pirates fans probably are, so yeah, yeah, good, good, great stunt, great, a harmless, a victimless crime, yes, which is perfect, right? It's a it's a nice troll job that like no party got hurt or no one got punched or anything like that, but it made a point, it made a statement, and that's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, personally? Personally, Max, uh, I'm gonna take it to the world of entertainment, Max. I, for the first time, watched the movie Top Gun. I had never watched it before. Oh. Oh. I had never watched it before, yeah. right? And I heard so many good things. I mean, I've always obviously know it's a classic, right? Just from how people talk about it, reading lists, looking at it online, things like that. But I had never watched it for myself. And I know that, you know, a couple months ago, and I think it's still on right now in theaters is Top Gun Maverick, right? Which is doing incredibly well in theaters. It, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I have some, I have some choice thoughts about that movie, but keep going. Yes. Yeah. So it's doing incredibly well. People really seem to like it as a uh, as a sequel. Like it's got to be one of the highest grossing sequels or revivals. It blew, it, it blew records. Yeah. It yeah. Blew records weekends, weeks, months, international, I don't domestically. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe if I want to watch that, I should probably finally get in tune. So we watched the the Top Gun movie, and I thought it was a I thought it was a cool summer movie. I thought it was pretty good. That there's not a lot of acting to it, in a sense, because there's a lot of action. You don't scenes. need to act, Trey, when you have fighter jets. Yeah, so I was okay. saying, it's like it's like those scenes are so well done in terms of cinematography and just like how they capture the moments within talking to the fighter legendary i got got the need the need for speed speed. boom punches it dude maverick was oh my god i haven't seen a movie like that in years i mean seriously you're right it's like when have they ever taken a sequel 30 years after the original comes out and it's done this well I, just, I don't think ever, but Maverick by itself, standalone, phenomenal movie. I was, it was a roller coaster. I was cheering. I was, I was laughing. I almost cried. Mm. I mean, that movie, Shrey, when you get a chance, watch it. It is yeah. phenomenal. I literally, literally, you know, I've never felt more like hyped up and patriotic. You know what I mean? Just in like a movie fun, like innocent sense. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Well, jets and fighter planes, you know? <laughs> I was, I was thinking too, I was like for 86 how they did those fighter jet scenes was like really well done. Things look Shrey, I'm telling you, yeah. go see the movie people. If you haven't seen the movie and you're like, eh, on the fence, or you're like, I just haven't gotten around to it. Go see top gun, baby. We're not sponsored, but it is that good. Like if you like movies mm. or you like, no, seriously, it's just, it's a, it's an experience. I mean, I'm really glad if you get, if it's still in theaters where you are, go see it in theaters. Yeah. But I have no doubt it'll still be awesome on like a home TV. Oh, for sure. That for movie sure. could probably stand up on your phone. You know what I mean? How sometimes like the viewing <laughs> experience on a phone isn't as good. Yeah. That movie will stand up. So Trey, I'm excited for you to see it. Let me know when you do. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I got Kenny Loggins stuck uh, in my head for the past two days now. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah crazy 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 and i didn't know i didn't know um, uh, that berlin song was in top gun for some reason i didn't know that was on the bow, 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 bow. yeah yeah i don't know why it didn't, that didn't cross my mind i was like holy crap that's from this movie dang and then um yeah yep, i was like phenomenal. dang like that's iconic they got an iconic soundtrack too so I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm like Shades. going through Kenny Loggins catalog. I'm like, Island's in the stream. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, oh my God, can I get it out of my head? Like, it was crazy. <laughs> Phenomenal movie. That is, that is a, that is a good high. Way to, way to watch a classic. That mm. great movie. Awesome movie. Oh yeah. I'll make sure right, to well, tell you every classic I watch. I'm going to, I'm going to get us turned down a notch. I'm all hyped up <laughs> just thinking about Top Gun. I mean, that, that movie broke so many records. It made its money back in the first like two days. Dang, yeah, its first weekend sales were crazy. That's why I was like, dang, this is like it's Sale. Top Gun. Like it's been thirty years. It's really that good. Like people really went no, out and watched it. Oh, gosh, you know, even if you're not a Tom Cruise guy. All right, anyway, I'm done. I'm trying. To <laughs> we're going to the lows. <laughs> the lows. <laughs> Shoot, 
Uh, it's not necessarily a bad, bad thing, but, uh, you know, uh, schedules stretched a little thin, you know, it's, it's side hustle time. It's time to put the nose to the grindstone and, uh, get down and dirty, try to get some extra cheddar in the pocket. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, so anybody else going through a tough time? Any, any money is good. Any money is good. I'm going to start selling my feet picks. This one is for you people. <laughs> no, like just him. kidding. You don't want these feet. They're, these are basketball shoe feet. Without only too feet. much detail. Only feet. No, without too much detail. I mean, those things get compressed. Gross. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, uh, like uh, well, you don't got, you don't got Shaq LeBron. feet, right? They're getting there. Really? They're getting there. Like the Shaq's feet, toes, Shaq's feet, feet are pretty... Pretty messed Shaq's up. Feet. No, that's pretty bad. And then LeBron's feet. Yeah. No. Oh, I don't know about LeBron's uh, feet. You didn't see that picture a few years ago? I, I mean, I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> I, was say, I was like, I only look at hey, mainstream feet. I don't know. I don't know about you. What are the popular? Anyway, what are the feet that um, made it to popular culture? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Don't go down that path, people. <laughs> uh, as for sports, low. I think more importantly, right? You look. You, you got to change your perspective sometimes. You're like, oh, I'm really going through it. It's always somebody who's a little bit worse off than you. So you got to, you know, be grateful for what you got. The Brittany Griner situation got a lot worse. I mean, sentenced officially, you know, went through the trial. And because of a nearly empty vape pen with, with 0.5 grams of THC in it, you got caught in Russia going to play for a Russian team. And Brittany Griner now faces nine years in prison. What I in a Russian prison too. Yeah. So and so you could tell it's like, and I know I actually read that this isn't the first time it's happened. There was actually another woman a couple of years ago that was traveling from Israel to India or vice versa and had a layover in Russia and got caught with like 0.3 grams of THC on her and got sentenced to seven and a half years or something like that. She recently spoke up when uh, Brittany Griner got sentenced. So, sentenced. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you don't expect fair trials, especially, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen for this case. And I just, you, well, I, I think it's fair to say, right, especially you can't expect a fair trial with a completely different political system and then yeah. the underlying geopolitical tensions that lie within the relationship of these two countries, the right. U.S. and Russia. Yeah, it's just it's just not good. And right. So now the situation is, too, you're seeing reports pop up of prisoner swaps and they're looking for the Russia's looking to get an arms dealer. And I mean, just a just a sticky situation. It is really unfortunate, really unfortunate for the WNBA. And also too, Shrey, you know, the WNBA is in full swing right now. How much have you heard about it? Not a lot other than. Yeah, exactly. how it relates Boom. to Brittany Griner. Yeah, exactly. People. Turn on your TVs if you're missing basketball like I am right now. I wa I watched a, uh, a Sparks game the other night. Mm. Really fun. Fucking great basketball. I am telling you, if you love basketball, I don't care what age you are. If you love basketball, turn on the WNBA. Turn on. And Especially you, if mean, you're normal people like us, right, who if, when we play basketball, we're not yamming and jamming. We're not the freak level athletes that these guys in the NBA are. While they're still incredible athletes, when you look at how they play the game, it's a lot more skill-based. Right. In the WNBA. I mean, th mm -hmm. these people, they can't rely on high flying. They have to get their buckets elsewhere. Boom. Have to be I will say, shooters, I will have, say have... versus the actual like television landscape of the WNBA. I have seen a lot more online content being cool. Um, brought to my attention and kind of on my feeds and stuff and like highlights and stuff. I saw, uh, I'm not sure who the player was, but a behind the back inbounds pass, which was so filthy. It was like from the yeah. baseline behind the back. I had never seen, I, have, I don't think I've ever seen that in the NBA. Um, so there's been highlight plates that I have seen. I'm, I'm getting, you know, more and more in tune with the content. Uh, even if, you know, I'm not able to see as many WNBA games just based on market and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, uh, I can see the occasional Connecticut sun game, which I, which I end up, you know, tuning into, but that's about right. it. Right. Anyway, so that's a PSA. It's a plug. It really is great basketball. And uh, just super, super unfortunate what's happening to Brittany Griner. So sure. those are the lows. Uh, I went from an extreme high to an extreme low. Now I don't know what my emotional center is uh, doing. 
way out of whack. But let's <laughs> dive in to some meat and some potatoes. Get your plates ready, people, because we've got a heaping helping. First thing that we're going to talk about today is the LIV, the Live Golf Tour. Now, for those of you who have never heard about it, uh, this is becoming a highly contentious topic in the world of professional golf. Uh, a little bit of background kind of as we get into it. If you are like me and not a huge professional golf enthusiast, like me uh, as well. you may never have. <laughs> oh, what do you mean, Shrey? I, I see you at the links all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you may have never heard of the Live Golf Tour. And I was actually asked this question a few weeks ago. Somebody said when they heard about this podcast, they're like, well, how do you feel about Live? And I said, uh, I, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, well, you should look that up. Mm. So kind of got into it, started seeing a few more very popular stories popping up. A uh, little bit of background. This is a new golf league that is separate from the PGA, which is one of the most popular ones here. Uh, and it is backed, uh, whose CEO is a man by the name of Greg Norman. He is an all-time Hall of Fame golfer. Uh, he was one of the best in the 1980s and 90s. He's from Australia. Uh, and he is kind of the CEO and the figurehead of this. Uh, he's kind of going in and his idea is to make a separate golf league where there's a little bit more money. You can pay players a little bit differently, have something outside of the PGA. In in his mind, more golf is good golf. One of the things that has popped up as a big point of controversy is where some of that more money, right? Where some of that extra cash is coming from. Now, one of the biggest investors within Live Golf is the Saudi uh, government, which their their investment well their sovereign wealth fund their sovereign wealth fund right yeah. so without getting into the politics here are a few historical events that have happened over the past you know few years that have happened on behalf of sort of that government organization uh there was the murder of a journalist Jamal Khashoggi very critical of the Saudi government was killed found out he was like chopped into bits very, very violent, very brutal. Uh, then you also have 81 Saudi Arabian citizens that were executed in a single day uh, in March. So very recently. And then you have some other kind of contentious relationships with kind of the distribution of oil and things like that. And who they're, you know, sort of partners with within, again, the world geopolitical scheme. So because of that history, people have been calling out the CEO Mr. Norman, uh, and sort of the golf tour as a whole, right? You have this big honey money pot, but people look at it and they say, well, where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. And what about the human rights violations that kind of come with that money? People are calling it blood money. People are calling it immoral and things like that. Um, as you kind of dive into this, I just want to share a few comments that uh, Mr. Norman said. He said, quote, it's important to talk about those issues but it's also important to talk about the good the country is doing to change its culture. There are not many countries that can stand up and, you know, be proud of their past. Um, there are a lot of countries that have, you know, a cross to bear and they're sort of looking at a younger generation, unquote. Um, he said, quote, I get a lot of messages. Quite honestly, I look forward. I don't look back, unquote. He said, quote, I don't look into the politics of things. I know the mission I have as a CEO of Live Golf and how, the, how we can change the game globally, unquote. His mindset is looking into the future, not the past. Those facts still remain. And I want to leave it up to you, the listener, to kind of take that and do with it what you will. Um, but straight, you know, they're, the PGA, right? It's kind of a long-winded explanation. But the PGA is not free of – it's not the it's not the most moral organization within the world. Right. So I think when people look at this debate, it feels like they automatically – like, and we're we're not picking sides in the sense, right? Because I think these are both two, like, Im, like in a sense, immoral organizations. Right? They have wrongs that they have done. And with the PGA Tour, right, they have a lot of racial barriers they still haven't really crossed. Or, you know, in a sense of their demographics are still an increase of, there is still highly, highly white population. I think it's like over 60% is the the number that we've seen and even though that's gone down and 
there is a little bit more diversity, it, it feels in a sense that it's not changing as quickly as people would want it to in 2022. So in a sense that I think when people look at the human rights violations, they are oh, that, you know, Saudi Arabia and their government are committed. They look to, oh, well, that automatically means that the PJ is in the right for what they want and like, you know, suspending players and things of that nature. When really the PJ tour isn't really talking about any of that. The, the whole ordeal is over money, right? And who, and if they're getting, if people that are leaving PGA and going to live are getting that money, they're not coming, you know what I mean? They're not coming and doing uh, events as a part of the PGA tour because of a conflict of interest and that like, you know what I mean? That breaches their contract and that's why they're suspending players and stuff like that. So it has nothing to do with kind of the socio-political landscape between the two organizations in a sense. I, or I haven't seen that. That feels like more of how the media is like kind of looking at both organizations in the grand scheme of things. But the specific right. confrontation and why there's a dispute is all about the money, right? So I think that's where well, right. it, it lies in a sense. Right. And you look at so, – so let's just – I just want to kind of break this story down uh, from a player's standpoint, right? With Liv, right, these players, a lot of them are big names. And just here to list off a few – if you're a golfer, you're going to recognize these guys. And if you're not, these are some of the superstars. These are the LeBron James and the Kevin Durants of golf. You have Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, mm -hmm. just to name a few. You have these guys who played, you know, in the PGA Tour, in European Tours, you know, all over the place, professional golfers, the top of the top. Have won. That have won. And they're going to live for more money. And that's sort of one of the things that people are talking about from the athlete's standpoint, right? Is you say, okay, you've done your time, you've played, you've won, you're a great golfer. Somebody is offering you a lot of money. And we're talking in the hundreds of millions of dollars for the best of the best. I mean, you look at the, uh, some of the tournaments in the golf tour too, the first place is getting $4 million mm -hmm. on top of their contracts to play for them as well. So you see these yeah. guys and they have decisions to make. Some of them are getting a little bit older, you know, this may be one of their last chances to secure a bag like this and things like that. So again, it's, it's up to you to decide, well, which one's right. You know, is it right for a player to go and take that money to support their family, their career and their brand? Do they need to remain the quote unquote moral high ground? Again, even though we've been over the PGA is not perfect. Again, a diversity issue. 67% of golfers are white. 67%. That is the vast majority. Now, that is down from around 73% in 2010. But again, it's a very white male dominated sport. So you look at, you know, demographics within the US, you know, you just you look at all these all these things and you kind of say, okay, and again, the PGA has had their fair share of, you know, kind of wiping their nose from the dirt. They're not perfect either. So right it kind of falls pe people are getting mad at again where the source of the money is coming from they're getting mad at the athletes for leaving but at the same time again you look is is the athlete in the wrong for making a personal choice it's tough to say <laughs> we're not <laughs> offering up we're not yeah. offering up any opinions here we're not right, offering right. up any opinions we, we just want this is very contentious we just want to we just want to kind of speak about what's been happening in the situation and and talk about some of the, the things that have happened in a sense, because we don't really have the answer to that type of question, right? It's, it's a question that I guess people have to kind of find out for themselves. And we're not here to explain an opinion and try to get you guys to like get listeners to change what they feel about certain players. If they're fans of certain players or fans of the tour or, you know what I mean? Or just fans of golf in general. And they just want, another tour to watch or something like that. You know what I mean? But in a sense that, you know, it's happening. This is a big news in sports and kind of, it has ties to, you know, political issues, social issues, cultural issues, and definitely financial issues. First of all, like, you know what I mean? That's a big reason for it too. And that's why it's kind of been like a long issue right this is something that's been in the works for a little for a while and it's really started to make headway 
within the news cycle over the past couple months, uh, especially within 2022. So I think that's, I think that's a, it's a good place to kind of stop and kind of, you know, make sure that people know what's going on and, and, and so yeah. they can feel how they, how they want to feel from this point on. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, it de- definitely worth talking about and definitely something that, you know, I'm sure will spark conversation. It has definitely sparked a lot of very strong opinions on either side. Uh, but again, that is not our place. We just wanted to briefly talk about it. Uh, we are not offering up any opinions either way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into uh, make sure you clean your forks and knives, people. Sweep that one under the rug. Uh, let's go <laughs> to the trade deadline of the MLB for all you baseball heads out there. Um, God, uh, uh, you know, as a Red Sox fan, as a cat, very casual <laughs> fringe Red Sox fan, uh, you know, Stray, you put out a poll on Twitter. I did. You said, which, which player do you think is the most likely to get traded from the Red Sox? I did. Yeah. Uh, I and think we, we lost uh, somebody. We lost a man down. Yeah. And we, we did. And I think that what we got on, instagram on our instagram poll was jd martinez if i i think that was the the highest voted no it was vasquez so that that so we got 54 percent vasquez 15 percent martinez 15 percent Avaldi, and 16 percent said none of them would be traded that was on instagram i think that the majority on twitter was jd martinez would be the one being traded and it looks like Instagram was right. So when we look at the the Red Sox deadline, and I think we'll start with that first. I don't know what I don't know what to say about it. I don't know what's happening. I'm very confused, Max. And this has been kind of the past couple of years of being a Red Sox fan is I'm very confused what's happening, right? Do I feel like whatever success they've happened was it's starting to feel like more of a lightning in a bottle situation. Like they happened upon success last year and made it to the ALCS and made it two games from the world series. It's because the, the decisions that are being made by Bloom by the front office, they just don't feel like moves that you feel like this is the direct cause for winning. They feel like moves that are made to, to you know, decrease the amount of sa- uh, payroll or, you know, moves that you feel like are easy to make because you get the talent, but you're not giving up a lot. And so you just kind of take a flyer on a person so that the fans will be happy that you made a deal, right? That deal you're spending when we talk about, and we've talked about it ad nauseum almost. Last year with Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber was only picked up for cheap on the trade deadline last year because he was, he had a hamstring injury, right? He was injured at the time of being traded for, and he didn't play for the first week or two coming off the trade deadline. And then he started to produce offensively. But then at the end of the day, that was a player that they got on cheap that didn't fit the role of what they needed at the time, right? The biggest hole that they needed to fill was at first base. They said, Kyle, for Kyle Schwarber, you know, we'll, you know, we'll coach him up at first base. He's definitely going to get there and everything. And he's, he wasn't really a first baseman and he made errors as a first baseman, right? Especially in the biggest moments, right? In the playoffs, he made a huge error. So it feels like all their moves have been, oh, let's get talent to an extent that we'll, 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 we might pick something up. We'll, we'll, we'll catch lightning in a bottle because if we just get a player in here, the fans will be happy. Like we're like almost like we're stupid or something, right? Oh, they're buying. Oh, that means they're in it to win it. When you look at the nitty gritty, are they really in it to win it? I don't know. When we talk about this year's trade deadline, Max, especially with the Red Sox, we talk about how they've been dipping their toe in both ponds again. They bought, right? So they got Reese McGuire and they sold and that they traded Christian Vasquez to the Astros for a couple prospects in the Astro system, which from what I've heard is not a good system at all. 
and they got like their 10th or 12th ranked prospects. So you know what I mean? Like double digit ranked prospects in a system that's not even good to begin with. So you kind of like, okay, yeah, you traded him because you thought that you didn't want to pay him when his contract was up this year. So let's just get something for him. But did the pieces you really get, are they even worth it? Still left to be said. I'm going to say no at this point. And then you bought again. You bought you bought Tommy Pham. You you traded for him from Cincinnati, right? Tommy Pham, we talked about his story of the fantasy football slap earlier this year when he slapped Josh Peterson because Jack Peterson had Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson Jr. on the IR when he thought right. he wasn't supposed to. Uh Still oh, a hilarious brilliant. story. I still I still smile at that story. So then they traded for Eric Hosmer, right? And they so that that that's considered a buy. Where it was at a result of the Juan Soto deal, where Eric Hosmer was originally going to be part of the package that went back to Washington as part of the Juan Soto deal, but he had a no trade clause, so he refused to go as go to Washington. I guess that was part of his no trade. He didn't want to go there, so they sent him on a separate deal to to the Red Sox. And you think, oh, Eric Hosmer, first baseman. That's good. You finally got a position of need. He's a good first baseman. He's not what he once was when he was with Kansas City, right? He's not the same type of player. But he's a serviceable first baseman who can hit and can play the position. Until you find out, Max, that San Diego's paying most of his salary. Like, the Red Sox are paying, like, a hundred thousands of dollars worth of his salary for the rest of the three years as long as he continues his player option and continues playing as a part of the contract they he's he's not only has a player option at the end of the year so he could leave but that the red sox got him for cheap again which tells me one thing <laughs> they will only get players right now regardless of their talent if they fit within the plan of we'll get them for cheap if they end up producing that's a good look for us but if they don't we at least save money. And I think that's a horrible way that's a horrible way to run a baseball operation, especially when you're as big as the Boston Red Sox and you shouldn't really care about money you know, shelling out contracts for good players. Right? It feels like a lot of the times that they get wrapped in with some of the big players on the market, it's so that they can just have their name in there. But it's not really because they have a real interest in actually getting the player, right? Right, like how the Dodgers have real interest in players, how the Yankees have real interest in players, how the Padres have had real interest in players over the past couple of years. The Red Sox get put mm-hmm. in the group of those those teams whenever there's a big free agent, marquee free agent or trade deadline piece, but they never end up getting those types of players. Why? Because they're always looking for the better contract and hoping that the analytics of this is the type of player we want and how he hits and stuff like that will wash over the talent and the money being spent on the bigger players. Right. So it's, it's just like when you're a big market team, like Boston is, it's not how you can run a team. I go back to max, the best GM in the, in the, in the region currently. And that's Brad Stevens, right? When I'm trying to compare how Heim Bloom's running it, versus how Brad Stevens is running his team, you saw what the Celtics just did, right? They went to the NBA Finals. They were a couple games from winning the Finals, right? Did Brad Stevens kind of rest on his laurels? Uh, well, the, I think everybody should take a, a lesson out of Brad's book, and I think it panned out really well because we were fortunate enough to not have injuries mm-hmm. and, for the most part, you know, and things like that with our with our stars. You draft, you get two huge, like really, really high picks after a couple of years of being abysmal, right? Mm-hmm. You find two core young players and you're like, you find kind of find what these guys can do. You're like, we're going to build everything around them. That's JT and JB. Then you take, take took quite a few years. But this year and last year, I mean, Brad Stevens taking over, consolidated picks, consolidated those players who, oh yeah, we got them for cheap or we drafted them and tried to develop them, yeah. you know, and they're not really panning out got rid of those guys for verified and vetted talent, right? right? That's exactly what you want to do. Like you said, especially if you're a big market team that is the Boston Red Sox, you have that name brand recognition. You won, but a few years ago, you know, it's the thing where you, why are you playing within the money game when you could really be playing within the talent game? And it's also, you mm. know what sucks? You know what sucks is to watch Vasquez go to the Astros. Right. 
public enemy number one in the world of baseball. <laughs> Certified cheats. I mean, seriously, Houston, boo, shame. No wonder the Rockets stink. Boo, terrible. You, get, you guys get that? Ah, no, it, it definitely leaves that, it, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth, Max, because you would think that okay, you bought and you sold, right? You got Eric Hosmer, you traded for him, so you you fill that hole at first base. But your only good catcher and your everyday catcher who has been really good for you this year. I think he was hitting 287, right? Come, you know, he's 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 like eight or nine home runs or something like that. He's he's been a good hitter as at the catcher position. Now you have a hole at catcher. Max, why are we transferring the hole? Why why is you know what I mean? Like why can't we plug everything at once? Why do we gotta plug one and take away from the other? At some point, there needs to be a an end game, right? Like if you have the right amount of young players that you can build around. Maybe you trade some of those for a big player, a veteran that's proven to play with those guys, right? But the Red Sox aren't don't want to do that either. They don't want to trade JD Martinez. They don't want to trade Avaldi. They just want to trade the guy that they felt that wouldn't anger the fans the most. And that was Christian Vasquez. Ended up angering the fans more because he they traded him and then they traded for someone else and now they're in both pots they they don't have a direction they don't have a b- rebuilding direction they don't have a building uh for now direction it doesn't make any sense and i'm angry at that and then to 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 end the uh, trade deadline discussion max the big the big deal that went on kind of at the uh, is one of the biggest deals in in baseball was the juan soto deal Right, we talked. I don't know if we talked about Juan Soto before, but Juan Soto didn't uh, rejected a fourteen year or fifteen, yeah, fourteen year, four hundred and forty one million dollar offer. Whoa! From the Washington Nationals last month, and it came out then that they didn't. He it, it wasn't about the years, right? For him, he felt like his AAV should have been higher. It should have been more commensurate with the biggest players in the league, like the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers and the, you know what I mean? The Mookie Betts and which, which makes sense. So like, I, my guess is that he would be willing to take less years if, or less money, if it meant less, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the AAV was more to that, to that level. But regardless of that fact, the nationals went out and said, okay, this is the best offer we're going to do. We're going to trade you because we don't want you to, we, we can't pay you that once it comes down. We want to get as much value as possible. Massive deal. The Padres came in, swooped in, and I'm... This is what, like, is insane. It's like the Padres keep buying, right? Manny Machado, massive contract. Fernando Tatis, huge contract. And now, if they choose to, they might want to pay Juan Soto considering the value that they gave up for him. Great young players, you know, serviceable veteran, they they gave up you know really some really good prospects in their system for Juan Soto and Josh Bell who was on his last year of his deal and was a was a person that a lot of teams were eyeing at first base he's been a good hitter this year for the for the Nationals but massive deal it, it remains left to be seen if Juan Soto will want to sign after his contract is over with San Diego but he's got a couple of years left and San Diego if they're willing to just keep spending and there's no real hard cap in baseball, right? So you just keep spending and, and you can just keep going into the luxury tax as much as possible. If they if they just keep doing that, they might have one of the great, they might have a, an insane lineup. I don't know if it'll lead to winning, but they have an insane lineup right now and for the next you know couple of years too. So that's a big deal that went down. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, yeah. I know it's a lot. It's a lot, but man, this baseball trade deadline for locally for me and for us as uh, Red Sox fans, and in terms of the big names that went went to different places, it felt very NBA ish of like how the NBA has been over the past couple of years. Where you're like, whoa, like that player moved. I didn't even expect him to be moved, or like like that was a quick turnaround between rumor of trade and actual trade, right? Sometimes you think with bigger players that the team will just kind of gut it out. Maybe see in the off season, then maybe trade him. 
But snip gone. Yeah. But how we thought like, you know, about when James Harden, how quickly that came to realization is how I kind of felt with Juan Soto of like James Harden won out. They found that the trade line was coming up. Boom. Trade. Juan Soto said, I'm not taking this offer within a couple of weeks. Boom. Trade. Like it just, it's just so quickly how things can spiral and just turn into, we don't, we don't want to pay this guy and we're going to trade him. So. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, yeah, well, before we get headed out here, uh, just quickly, I uh, want to talk about um, the uh, tampering uh, between the Miami Dolphins and then Tom Brady. So the Miami Dolphins uh, set up for a huge year this year, found guilty of doing the thing that, well, frankly, every sports organization does. Right. Tampering. Uh, they brought they wanted Tom Brady to be Miami Tom, not Tampa Tom. They brought him, you know, the, the their leader. Um. Oh God. What's his name? Fuck. Oh. Bob uh, Bruce. The my. Oh. Oh. The Tampa Bay. No. No. Tampa no, Bay no, coach. No, no. Miami, Miami coach. Bruce Beal. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 The um. Why don't you start over? But yeah, Bruce Beal is the. I think he was the. Um... Is the second in command. Stephen Ross is the is the big guy. Right. Right. Um, so they so they brought Tom <clears throat> so they brought Tom on the boat and they being Stephen Ross the uh, owner of the Miami Dolphins and then Bruce Beal his crony his second in command uh, they went through a six month investigation following Brian Flores's nasty departure with them um, mm-hmm. few things come to mind when you look at the situation uh, tampering somebody finally got caught holy crap that's mm. great thank God. Uh, thank God Brian Flores was kind of doing all the whistleblowing that he was doing. I think what he did is great. And one of the things that he talked about, a lot of people may not remember is, um, Ross was kind of saying to Flores, he's like, Hey, every game you lose, you know, we really trying to get this draft position. Every game you lose, we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars, you know, no big deal. And Brian Flores came out after the fact, he's like, dude, this, like, he literally wanted me to lose games. And when we started winning, he started getting mad at me. Mm. So they investigated all this stuff, found the Miami Dolphins guilty of tampering, which resulted in the disappearance of their 2023 uh, first round pick, uh, as well as a third round pick in 2024, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and as well as some hefty fines for Ross and um, Beal as well. Well, the one I don't know about hefty on their end, but. Oh, no, no, no. Hefty fines from the perspective of like, oh, a couple million dollars, you know, Beal got fined, uh, you know, 500,000. For them, that's nothing. That's jump change. And so this is what I want to comment on, Trey, is that, okay, we finally have pegged somebody for tampering and cheating. We're talking about the integrity of the league, the integrity of the sport. These guys get a slap on the wrist. Ross, his main punishment, in addition to the fine, oh, no, he's not allowed to go to any association meetings or go into the locker room until October 23rd, 2022. Seriously? Dude's got like a month into the season. Oh, no, he's going to miss that as the owner. Oh, no. Right. I think – Seriously? I think, I think where my where my point stands is like, this is tampering for the greatest football player of all time. Right? Yes. And one of the greatest Tom. athletes of all time. You would think maybe. I don't know. If they were to if they were to peg a team for tampering with that type of player, that I don't know, maybe it would be a little more high profile of like, oh, you shouldn't do this in terms of the the uh, the reprimanding. But I mean, what do you expect? It's the NFL on its own owners, right? If if the NFL sets a precedent on um, sanctioning its own owners very hard uh, harshly on a certain penalty, then the other owners get involved and they're like, oh, okay, is this going to happen if we like talk? Like, you know what I mean? Like Goodell still works for the owners. He's still, he's still a voice for the owners. So if he goes and reprimands them, then the others will start to get irritated and be like, Hey, like lay off. Like you can't, like, you know what I mean? Like we vote for you type of deal. So you know what I mean? Like, so he still has to be in their good graces, which makes sense of why this isn't as a big of a a team. You know what I mean? Like, draft well, picks are sure, one thing, just... but like on the actual owner itself, 
the 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 actual fine isn't as much. Yeah, let me just reread. I I apologize. I got the um I was trying to do it from memory. My memory failed me. So the actual punishments, right? So the owner, Mr. Ross, fined one and a half million dollars, suspended through October 17th, mm-hmm. not allowed to go to any league meetings before the annual meeting in 2023. Mm. Uh Beal, second in command, fined 500 k isn't permitted permitted to attend any league meetings for the rest of the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is like no. Yeah, it's like they, I mean, they already no league meetings. And also like, what is he going to do? They already did what they wanted to. Exactly. They already talked to the GOAT. They already got him to, you know, be interested. They talked to him multiple times. Him and and Sean Payton, by the way, too. Yeah, and Sean Payton, right. And so this this came, though, I mean, these allegations are from a time – uh, where Tom Brady was on his way out. He was still technically in New England. Right. And you look at the Pats not paying, and then other teams kind of encroaching. Did that his effect? Did that affect his decision to leave? Well, I think it was a multitude of factors, to be honest. Right, right. I mean, the fact that he's not getting paid and not getting really treated well in New England is first and foremost. I'm still salty at the franchise for that. Right. Seriously. The greatest of all time, and you just let him freaking walk. Um, also, too... This is not the only instance of tampering that's ever occurred, people. Right. So, is there going to be a kind of a, um, a precedent like a, set, a, a precedent, or a standard, or some synchronicity mm. on 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 punishing these teams where this stuff comes out? I don't know. You could even honestly probably go to Tampa Bay and and talk about that because Tom Brady retiring and then coming back to play for Tampa Bay. I know he was already technically signed there, but that's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's a normal sports signing kind of conversations that they were having. The other thing, too, is that they did investigate Brian Flores' claim of the $100,000. They found evidence of it. However, it was not enough to officially indict Mr. Ross for, for tampering on that effect you know, within the team itself. So they, so they said that his $100,000 offer was just a joke. It wasn't serious, which I think is a load of horse dung. <laughs> But all right. <laughs> bro was like, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a prank, bro. Forget it. Seriously. Come on. But you can, like, I mean, anyone that kind of, like, even if it's all alleged and whatnot, you can tell the stench of that had to have been true. Like, you know what I mean? Regardless of what facts have Goodell been put out. these and findings what, are unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. What, what? This is the first time, Shrey. This is the <laughs> first time this has happened. You're telling I, me I no could, other team I has could hardly believe. Roger Goodell is like, I could hardly believe this. This is not what happens in this league. Yeah, um, okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker, but he's got to say that, right? He's got to say a lot of things to to keep whatever integrity that the league is dwindling by up uh, upheld. You know what I mean? So... Where my where my opinion stand uh, stands is kind of on the Patriot side of we talked about that last year with Tom Brady, right? Of course it does, Shrey. Classic Patriots fan. I mean, and I, I mean that's the that's you the, know take your six rings and go. It will. I mean, I will, but I'm not before I talk about it, Max. <laughs> not before I talk. I'm about holding it. up six fingers. That's anytime anybody says anything to me regarding football, I just hold up six fingers. <laughs> Sorry, and they immediately immediately I was, I was steam comes fan. off the head. Yeah, I was talking to a Jets fan the other day, and he was saying something, and I just why? held up the six fingers. I'm like, you're, I'm like, you're a Jets fan. Yeah, first of all, why? <laughs> why was I speaking to a Jets fan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why didn't you just, why did you just cross your, why didn't you just cross your hands and turn your back to him? <laughs> why didn't I just mention Zach Wilson and his friend's mom? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that the anyway, meme, keep, that meme is keep yeah. going, Shay. What? Well, great meme. What's your opinion? Well, what I was going to say is that last year is like, you know, it had to have been a culmination of how he had been treated and what kind of went on behind the scenes of like his relationship with Belichick, how monetarily he was making, you know, much less than he would, he should have been making so that Belichick could continue and Kraft could continue to, to improve around the roster, right? There was times like after MVP years, he should have commanded the top salary for a QB ever at the time, but continued to take pay cuts during seasons 
and and kind of help the team out while also playing some of the best football of his career, especially in his second his second like um wind in football, right? Like when you talk about his first win being a young player and winning all those Super Bowls, there was a while where they didn't win. And then you come back in 2014 and start basically a new dynasty for a little bit over again, right? There's of course he should have been the highest paid quarterback or top two some of those years that they've won Super Bowls. But I think after a point, it's like, okay, 2019 happens. He sees that Miami is kind of, you know, tampering with him, whatnot, you know, asking Ross, asking him to come out on the boat and talk to him and, you know, hey, having a good time, nothing's going on type of thing. Like, it's 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 all a, it's all a, yeah, I'm kind of already in a mode of I'm leaving, but we'll just kind of play the season out and I'll just actually leave for good when it comes down to it. You know what I mean? Like, he's already in that mode. And it does see, leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, but I don't. But it, it, I feel that sour taste more for the organization than I do Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady deserved better and should have been treated oh, better. So no, so, I got no hard feelings. Yeah. I got no hard feelings for Tom. He can right. he can do what he is. But again, I just go back. This is not the first instance of tampering. Roger Goodell, you're full of crap. If you're like, I oh, these are unprecedented findings. And I mean, again, you just see it's like they finally find something. And tampering is a big deal. It really, really undermines the integrity of the sport. Mm -hmm. Like any trade you see, you're like, all right, so cool. And then you think about like, come on, think about the situation this past offseason. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Come on. Oh, I just wanted to play with my guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They've been talking about it for years. Yeah. No, seriously. No, No, seriously. Seriously. Right, and if I'm a Packers fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I'd be pissed. You know, I'm talking to them now, and they're trying to reconcile. I know a couple Packers fans are like, hey, it's not really a big deal. We didn't need Adams anyway. You know, Aaron Rodgers only targeted that one guy on the field. You know, now he's going to really share the ball. I'm like, okay, you're just trying to rationalize. Yeah, I was going to so, say, have you seen the rest of the wide receiving court? The wide receiver one is Alan Lazard. And Alan Lazard, oh. cool player, cool player, probably a wide receiver three on a really good team. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers could definitely be boosted, but not the a, rest not of that. But there's like it's all rookies, Max. The rest of the they're like two, second year players and rookies. Like you can't tell me that Devonte Adams won't be missed on that team, especially his sure hands. Like you can't tell me that won't be missed. Sure hands, except for when you get to the playoffs, then he greases those puppies <laughs> up. Anyway. And with that, uh, we're going to wrap things up here. You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace.